Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Day before we were about to come out of lockdown here in Sydney, it was October and we'd been in lockdown for for months. The gyms had been closed. I work in a gym, hadn't been able to see my family in a different state. I'd missed my mother's 70th birthday. So many things for so many people. And the day before we came out of lockdown, I spoke to my dear mum at like 7am on a Sunday morning, as I always do. And we had a beautiful, normal conversation. And then I got a call from my dad later that same day to say that my mum had died. My mum was gone. Suddenly, the most important person in my world was there one moment. And go on the next. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 284. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hello, veggie lover. Welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. Today, I have a return fabulous guest who was dropping so much wisdom and practical tips on the podcast today, Kate Galley all the way from Sydney, Australia, which, you know, I love. I love the accents. I love talking to the people from UK, from Australia, from New Zealand. I love it. So beautiful to listen to her speak. But the value that she was able to drop, the practical tips, I think you're going to love it. So let me remind you who Kate is. And then I also want to show you this beautiful journal she's released. So Kate Galley is relentlessly focused on creating a healthy, happy, compassionate vegan world. She specializes in creating the mindset that makes your best eating and exercising choices simple and sustainable. Kate first got into fitness as a way to transform her body and confidence. She has spent 17 years helping thousands of individuals sculpt a body and life they love and over the past seven years has focused on vegan health coaching as one of the most powerful ways to advocate for the animals is to be fit, strong, and healthy. This is her beautiful journal. It's called Plant Positive Journal and look how pretty it is. The cover is like a soft fabric type cover and it's got these little things where, you know, bookmark things. I don't know what these are called, bookmark cords, but on each of the pages, you know, course it's got some stuff that you can read to motivate you thing places that you can make reflections and journaling but then it also has places where you can plan your day and plan your schedule and what you're going to do and then it's got little quotes and inspirational motivational things in it so if you are especially like a newer vegan and you want something to help just inspire you and empower you and motivate you, I recommend that you get a copy of her plant positive journal. It's really beautiful. So in this episode, we talk about the really huge thing that happened to her in 2021 caused the two hardest years of her life and how it's changed her thinking, how it's changed her way of being. 
We talk about what an angry vegan is and why she stopped being one. We talked about her eight-step self-care method or steps. And then we talk about what to do if you lose your exercise mojo. What? How can you motivate you, yourself to get back in the gym and do your exercise? We talk about her overwhelm acronym, which um, is how you overcome overwhelm. We end with her top five tips to make adopting a plant-based lifestyle easy. So Kate's very experienced. She's very wise and she has lots of great tips. So this is a really valuable episode with lots of great information for everybody. So I hope that you enjoy it. Thank you so much to all my long-term listeners for being here and welcome to my new listeners. I hope you love it. Share it with everybody that you love and that you think may benefit from this information. Have a fantastic day and now welcome Kate Galley. Kate Galley, welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. Dr. Yami, thank you so much. It is my pleasure to be back with you. Well, you are being, like we said before we started recording, very hardcore in Sydney, Australia, up at 1 a.m. to record this episode. So thank you so much for the sacrifice. That's a big sacrifice. I'm not sure if I'm willing to make that sacrifice for most people. <laughs> so thank you so much. <laughs> it, it shows my priorities, right? And absolutely no problem. Happy to be here. All right. Well, let's get started because there's a lot to catch up on. Tell me. What has transpired in your life over the last couple of years? I know COVID turned a lot of people's lives upside down and caused them to reevaluate their priorities and their values. But you mentioned to me that it's been some of the hardest years of your life. So tell me what happened and what have you learned? Definitely the hardest couple of years of my life. And it was funny. I looked back. I actually re-listened to our first interview in preparation for today. And you released that one. That was your first episode of 2021, Dr. Yami. And you were so excited for everything that 2021 had to bring. And I felt exactly the same here in Australia at the end of 2019 we'd had those horrific bushfires and we were so happy for 2020 to arrive and then COVID hit and that was horrific and we were so happy for 2021 to arrive and that was me as well and COVID hit again in 2021 and then the day before we were about to come out of lockdown here in Sydney it was October and we'd been in lockdown for for months, the gyms had been closed. I work in a gym, hadn't been able to see my family in a different state. I'd missed my mother's 70th birthday. So many things for so many people. And the day before we came out of lockdown, I spoke to my dear mum at like 7am on a Sunday morning, as I always do. And we had a beautiful, normal conversation. And then I got a call from my dad later that same day to say that my mum had died. My mom was gone suddenly. The most important person in my world was there one moment and gone the next. And everything that we thought was so horrific about COVID and just getting through COVID. And that was the hugest thing that happened. And as any of your listeners that have lost someone that close to them, you know, for me, the most important person in my world just gone they will know that it is just so the shock and the all-consuming sadness and add on top of that the fact that our states were in lockdown so to be able to get up to Queensland where my parents were and to say goodbye to mum before life support was turned off was just massive jumping through hoops and getting compassionate consideration to be allowed into the state and to be allowed into the hospital and so surreal and horrific. And so that was my 2021 or the end of it. And after I got back from one night saying goodbye to mum and being locked in hotel quarantine on my own and not being able to see any of my other family, I got back to Sydney and Sydney was in celebration because, you know, lockdown was over and the gyms were open again. And without a doubt, the toughest time of my life. And I know we're meant to take learnings from, from things and 
you know, it, it is hard to take learnings from the toughest thing, but I did kind of take from it that the very worst possible thing in the world that you could ever imagine can happen. And you still go on, you go on in a bit of a daze and you go on in a lot of shock and there's not much joy or any joy for a period of time. However, it comes back, you keep going and it doesn't get any easier, but the joy does come back. And the other lesson I learned that hopefully might be of value to anyone who needs to hear it is Although I had zero regrets with my dear mum, she knew how much I loved and respected and we just had an amazing relationship. It taught me that I need to work more on my relationship with my father because that's not as good. And I always thought the phone call would be mum going, Katie, it's your dad. And it wasn't. It was dad saying, Kate, it's your mother. So if anyone needs to work on their relationships, um, it's nothing new to share, but I think it's super important. Wow. What a roller coaster. I can't even imagine that contrast between the anticipation of like, you're about to come out of lockdown. You're about to be able to move on with your life, losing your mother, and then everybody else being ecstatic. That's got to feel so weird being you know, with those mesh of emotions and extreme emotions around you. I guess it was just heightened because I know with any loss, you feel any happiness around you is kind of like a, a stab in the heart. You know, even when yeah. you broke up, break up with a partner and you see other happy partners, that's brutal. And this was just, I guess, on steroids. Um, yeah, but you get through. Yeah. So it's been almost getting close to two years now that you Getting close lost to your mom. Years. Yeah. Yeah. So how, yeah. how has your relationship with your father been? Have you been able to be deliberate about that? I 100% have, you know, I think both of us have tried harder than we ever had before. Mum was the peacemaker and dad and I would just, we'd go head to head. We'd totally butt heads and um, quite strong personalities, both quite stubborn, both quite set in our ways. And I guess another layer to all of this was that mum was the only one in my family or close friendship groups that actually adopted a plant-based lifestyle. She took it on several years after I became vegan and she said she'd try it for a couple of weeks and it lasted years. And we got so close because of that. I was so proud of her, especially living with dad, the anti-vegan. And he made it hard for her and it wasn't great for their relationship. However, it was amazing for my relationship with mum because I just had so much respect and we'd catch up every week and share our, our vegan living in a non-vegan world trials, like all the hurtful comments that we'd gotten from people in our day to day or sharing recipes, whatever it may be. So anyway, dad and I have both tried so hard, I think to make mum proud. It's I'm an only child. It's him and I now so far as immediate family. And yeah, we've had our ups and downs. However, we've never been in a stronger place. And I'm happy to share for the first time in the seven and a half years I've been vegan. It was 23 years vegetarian before that. But for the first time, when I came up to Noosa, where he lives for the one year anniversary of, of mum dying, I didn't want to be alone. He actually cooked me a vegan meal. He had never cooked me so much as a baked potato or put a bowl of nuts out for me before, <laughs> but he made me a full vegan meal. And he's done that every time I visited him since. So that's massive progress. That's beautiful. Has your mom's death impacted your spirituality? Any of your thoughts about the afterlife or maybe even any misconceptions you had about grieving? I never thought about the possibility of mom dying. I always thought it'd be dad because he doesn't eat as well. He doesn't think as well. Mum was so vibrant and full of life and generous and just such a giving, vibrant, loving person. So I never actually thought about what it would be like when she died. However, when it happened, I assumed I would feel her 
all the time and I would feel close to, I would feel like she was in the room watching over me. I don't have any of that. I don't have any awareness of her. I feel like she's totally just gone. However, I do have a huge, I guess, desire to honor her and to to lead with love and compassion, not the angry vegan I used to be, but everything that she did so well, I feel like I want to embody that as a way of being closer to her, to be more like her in my life. So I guess that's the only change. Beautiful. Well, that brings me to my next question. What is an angry vegan? <laughs> and tell me about how you've stopped being one, your your transformation from angry vegan into non-angry vegan, I guess. Dr. Yami, I'll admit it's a constant work in progress. However, it's all relative and I am so much less of an angry vegan to what I was, I guess, my first six or so years. So I think we all know that angry vegan who leads with their heart and is so very aware 24-7 of the absolute unnecessary horror we inflict on animals and that angry vegan I'll speak for myself I led and felt anger and frustration and sadness 24 7 you know when I first became vegan like so many of us I was so angry that I had been lied to that I'd been vegetarian because I didn't want any animals to die for me and yet they still were and I was so angry and I just thought if I shared it with everyone I loved they would come to the same conclusion as I did and surprise they didn't. I entrenched myself in the activist community and went to activism events every week and met like-minded vegans and, and saw all the videos even more about what we were doing with, to animals. I, I shared all the videos on my social and socials and bit by bit, I was just surrounded by all the horrific things that we do. My social media feeds were filled with it and it was burning a hole in my relationships. And uh, yes, my clients, my friends, my relatives, especially my father. And I think almost a year on after mum died, she used to always say, Katie, you make it so tough on yourself. And I know I can be a slow learner. So I was angry for a full year. I was angry and sad for a full year after mum died. And then it was too much. I hit a breaking point. I was like, too much emotion, too little joy. There are people I love in my life whose our relationship is at breaking point. And so I just decided to let it go a little bit, not to care any less. I still have a vision for a fit, strong, happy, healthy, compassionate, vegan world. I want that end goal. I'm just as committed, but I just can't have that burden. 24 7 anymore that's beautiful how would you recommend other people especially the beginning of the vegan journey because i feel like that's when we're more likely to be <laughs> angry vegans the very beginning when our eyes are opened and we have this huge paradigm shift and it's just like this big shock you know it's like one of the the stages that we go through what would be your recommendation First off, I will say, I don't know that anyone could have rushed me out of Angry Vegan. It probably would have made me more angry. I have mad respect for the vegans and activists that still lead with such passion and lead with their heart and may drop too many truth bombs like I used to. So timing is important. If you feel like it is costing you too much in your life, for right now, the emotions you carry around with you. I have a little ABC. I don't think it's as simple as ABC, but A is for awareness. So really think of what the way that you are living and the way that you are feeling is costing you right now in your relationship, in your relationship with your loved ones, perhaps with your clients, if you still have non-vegan clients, and maybe future pace 12 months from now and Think how you're going to feel if this is still how it is for you. B is for brainstorm what you can stop doing and what you can start doing to change the situation. So for me, I stopped going to some of those activist events. I just had to, maybe not forever, but for right now, I stopped show it, sharing those really judgmental yet true 
posts on Facebook. Because if it's a picture of a lamb being slaughtered here in Australia and it's horrific, it's true, obviously. And I wish people saw it, but to share it, I have to see it. And my social feed needs to be full of those sorts of images. And it's too much. I stopped engaging in those conversations that we all know uh, the person doesn't have an open mind or an open heart. It's not the low hanging fruit type of conversation. It's a conversation where someone's just up for a de debate and it's a bit of a game for them and they're not open-minded. And it's too important to me to engage in that conversation anymore. And I stopped thinking I don't need a break. We all think that, especially as vegans and as animal rights activists, we think the situation is so urgent. It's on us. We can't take a break. We can take a break. There are some start doings as well. They're kind of the opposite of the stops. I started filling my social media feeds with all those glorious good news stories. I started following the people on YouTube who cooked delicious heart-based meals and were so happy and vibrant. I started sharing my delicious recipes online. Those were just some of the start things that I've kind of embraced. And as I said, it's a work in progress. See as a commitment, commitment to yourself to make these changes. And do you know, it's actually part of why I share so freely, why I stopped being an angry vegan, because people will definitely hold you accountable if you start to show a little bit of angry. They're very keen to. So share it, share it with yourself, make that commitment to yourself and um, share it on social and with everyone. Love. I love it. So awareness, brainstorm, commitment. I think that's really good. And now for a very important message. Hey, mama. If you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. Whenever you were talking about the brainstorming, the different ways, what came to my mind is protect your chemicals because we're responsible for managing our thoughts and feelings. And you're right. We have to curate our life. We, our life has to become a vision board for how we want to feel, what we want to project out into the world. So if you are filling your world every day with all these images that are so hard, and especially being such an empathetic person that you are, I'm the same way. I can't watch those images. And actually, have you seen the latest Guardians of the Galaxy movie? I haven't. It's so, so, so good. I but it's tough. It's tough. Even like my kids cried and my, my oldest is 18. Um, there's a lot of messages in there about animal activism and testing on animals and things like that. And it's, it just is right in your face. And 
I even felt in that movie, I was getting angry and I was getting passionate. I wanted to just stand up in the theater and be like, see, this is what you're all doing to animals. <laughs> I was like, all right, deep breath, calm down. And, you know, that sadness lasts for you with you all day. And it it does change. It changes how you interact with the world. It changes how you think about yourself, even maybe guilt and shame for yourself, which we know um, is often not productive. It often can paralyze us and cause us to do things in a different way. So you're right. I think protect your chemicals. How can we fill our life with things that reinforce the thoughts and feelings that we want to have and what we want to project out into the world? I think that this is brilliant. I love your little, your little uh, abbreviation to help us remember those things. Well, I think you're really good at algorithms because you have a lot. So let's talk about the eight-step self-care. Amazing. I seem to love them. I, I love acronyms. This isn't actually an acronym, but yeah, we've got our eight steps. And self-care is something that so many of us, vegans, animal rights activists, moms, dads, we often leave until we are in dire straits. So this is something to get a little bit proactive. And again, I don't have all of these steps nailed. However, I'm I'm good at a few of them. So step one is to elicit your values and beliefs beliefs and live your life aligned with them or said another way, use them as a daily filter. So that kind of sounds quite, quite huge. What are your values and beliefs? It's something I turn to in basically everything I ever do, but those, your values are those emotions and states that you're most drawn to. So for me, if, if freedom and integrity are number one and two, they're filters that I have in my day. And so far as self-care, I'm often asking, does this lifestyle, does saying yes to this project, does whatever it is, does it give me more freedom in my life or am I feeling trapped by it? Does it feel aligned with my integrity? Does it feel congruent? So I actually think your values and your beliefs are, are guiding principles that that just make it so much easier to live a life that feels aligned and that is supportive to you. And that's what self-care is about. So number two, this is my work on actually, because it's embrace mindful eating. And if I, if I called it eat abundant, delicious, vegan plant food meals, I'd have it locked and loaded and nailed. But the mindful, slow down, don't demolish. That component is a bit of a to work on for me and I think many of us in our busy lives. So taking your time and having gratitude for every single delicious plant-based meal. Next up is the people we spend time with. And I would ask yourself the question, who can I spend more time with? Who are those people that they just leave me feeling so very energized and full of life and energy and positivity and equally who are those people I need to spend less time with those energy vampires those difficult clients whoever they may be cut them out or spend less time <laughs> next up self-talk um, so the only person you get to spend 24-7 with is, of course, you and your unconscious mind is always listening to what you are saying to yourself. So your self-talk and making it positive and supportive. Maybe even just start with a go-to phrase. Um, you've got this is mine. but And then gradually, bit by bit, refining, reframing your self-talk so that it's in your best interest. Mm -hmm. Next up, step five is the big rocks that keep you happy and healthy. And this is where I fit in exercise and meditation and whatever it may be for you. But you know the things you need to schedule into your day and into your week first so that they get take priority and don't get muscled out by all those other urgent seeming tasks. So the big rocks, whatever it is for you lock and load it and make it non-negotiable. Number six is your not to-do list. So I, I'm a huge list person, love it. Um, I think the not to-do list is just equally important as the to-do list to help you keep on track. And 
you're not going to have time for the things that you most want to do that will most carry you forward or make you most happy without first unscheduling the things that you shouldn't be doing. Number seven is a 24-hour digital detox. Again, I've relapsed. I was amazing at this for a short period of time. Sunday or from Saturday night till that period of time on Sunday for 24 hours, I'd be off all the devices, no internet, none of that jazz. It was amazing and I've let it go. So maybe this is a little reminder for me to bring it back. I have a bonus eight eighth step and that's five minute fixes. So these are the things that are really effective and easy and don't cost money. They might be a five-minute workout. They might be five minutes of gratitude. They might be five minutes of clearing rubbish from your fridge, whatever they are. But there's something that is great for you and is easy and attainable and really, really fast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, so number one, evaluate your values and beliefs and make your decisions that align with that. Number two, embrace mindful eating. Number three, the people you spend time with. Spend more time with people, make you feel good. Less time with people, don't make you feel good. <laughs> Self-talk, evaluate your big rocks. Make sure you put all of those in first because those are the things that are going to set that foundation of self-care. Look at your not-to-do list and make sure that you are cutting those things out first. 24-hour digital detox and five-minute fixes. I love it. And I agree with you on the 24-hour digital detox. I used to be really good at that too. And I haven't done that in a long time. Let's <laughs> so get that that's one a hard together. one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really great. And I think that this helps people really have a place to start where they're just wanting to do things to make themselves feel better. How can I feel like I have more control of my well-being? How can I feel like I am, you know, taking care of myself and making myself a priority so that I can spread more joy and more light like we were talking about earlier. Um, one of the things 100%. that happens with people is that they have they struggle with fitting in movement, joyful movement, exercise, physical activity, or they might be into it for a while and they're just like, I ah, can't get back into it. Just like how we lost our digital detox, some people lose that exercise mojo. So what what can people do to create motivation for exercise? I guess I'll, um, some, some context that the toughest part of any exercise program is that stop, start, inconsistent approach, right? You get to repeat doing the hardest part, which is starting, and you get to never enjoy the best part, which is the results. So stop, start, inconsistent just makes it really hard on you. Um, next up, I would say first, you need to decide that you want the results and you need to get really clear on your why. And I would also say align that why with those values and mm -hmm. beliefs that I brought up before. Then you need to admit that motivation, motivation to exercise, motivation to whatever it is, doesn't last. It takes work. So from there, I've got some facts and I've kind of got the mindset behind the facts as well. So first off, I would say exercise is a necessary evil if you want results. However, I would also reframe that to it's a privilege if we have the physical capacity and the time and the money and the freedom to exercise. It is a privilege. I would say from an emotional leverage point or mindset point of view, try and surround yourself with the people who are already doing their exercising action. That is going to be such a positive, helpful influence. Next up, fact two, exercise will get easier when you do it consistently and it will stay hard when you do it inconsistently. From a mindset point of view, I would say focus on how you feel after the exercise. So even more than the results, focus on how great you feel when it's over or the energy it gives you. Fact three, exercise is amazing for stress relief and productivity and 
sleep. So really do focus on how it's going to benefit every other part of your life as well. And I'm a fan of getting as much leverage on yourself here as, as possible by maybe stretching the truth a little bit. I will sometimes say it's called a complex equivalent. So I will say when I do my exercise regularly, you know, I'm going to be able to rock those short shorts this summer. Or when I skip an exercise session, it means I'm going to be sluggish and unmotivated all day. So again, if that's confusing, that the complex equivalence is like an NLP term where we say it means. So doing this means I get this or not doing this means I don't get this. So it's playing mind games with yourself for your best advantage. Fact number four, possibly my favorite, exercise is precious to you time. So again, it's a privilege. We're lucky. Reframe it to precious you time. And if you need that little bit of emotional leverage on yourself, focus on the anti-mentor. I think the anti-mentor is almost as helpful as the mentor because they are the person you really don't want to be. You don't want their energy. You don't want their attitude. You don't want their results. So if you're feeling a little bit lazy and finding it a little bit hard to see exercise as precious you time, just think of that anti-mentor you don't want to be. I immediately thought of Homer Simpson. I don't know if you've ever watched The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Although he's adorable and so cute. I'm like, yep, no, we don't want to be Homer Simpson. Those are all great. The thing that I always tell myself, because I actually used to struggle a lot with strength training. Like I've always been a card. I love exercising. Always since I was a kid, I've loved exercising. It's not a problem for me to be motivated to exercise, but cardio junkie, like running mm -hmm. half marathons, marathons, and I love spinning and all of those things. But as I turned 40, I realized, oh no, because I've always had a high muscle mass and it's always looked good on me. Mm -hmm. I started to lose it a little bit. And I'm like, oh no, if I don't deliberately work on this, it's going to be a successive decline in my muscle mass. And I want to live till I'm a hundred. So I need to set myself up for success to stave away that frailty, you know, um, for when I'm sarcopenia from when I'm older. So I'm like, okay, I think the only way I can do this is I have to have somebody train me because it was really hard. Like the same thing you were saying, I would get myself to do it for a day. I'd be sore and I'd be like, oh, I can't do this again. Then I'd try again in a few weeks, be sore. I can't do it again. And it was always so painful, right? To just always be starting. So just about to celebrate my two-year anniversary with my strength and conditioning coach. Been very consistent. I'm up to now four days a week of regular strength training. And I don't know if you can see my amazing yes, muscles. Try. Yeah, I love nice. it. Nice. I'm very proud Good. of my muscles, but I think what I say all the time and what my strength and conditioning coach is always reinforcing, it's consistency over perfection. Mm -hmm. If you're sick for a week or if, you know, you just had one of those really busy weeks, you missed a workout or two, don't throw it all out. Don't be like, mm -hmm. okay, well, it's over. I'm done. You know, because I think we have that it's all or nothing. If you miss one day, I failed. I might as well not pick it up. It's consistency. Yeah, you're going to miss a, a workout here and there. You might be away on vacation or you might get sick or whatever. Pick right back up like nothing happened. Pick right back up and keep going. And I think that's been like the most important thing. And now I'm a strength training addict. That self-care is so important too, because I love EDM. I put my noise canceling earbuds in. I put my music on. It's just me and the weights. Ugh, I love it so much. I look forward to it. And I so protect that time. I don't schedule anything else. That is me and the gym and my music. I love it. I am so, it warms my heart that you're now a weights addict because I am the opposite to how you were. I love my weights, hate my cardio. And for the, for the listeners that have their, their love and their hate, I would recommend aim for an 80-20 love it versus just do it ratio with your training. So you get 80% of the time is the stuff that you love. And if you don't love it yet, focus on what you loved as a child or could love in the future. And 20% is that just super high value, like lifting heavy weight 
months. And with that 20%, schedule it into your high discipline times. Make it non-negotiable. If you're lucky enough to have a strength coach or personal trainer, that is absolutely amazing. However, have an alternative for the days when they're not available or on the rare occasion they might let you down. Same as if you have a walking buddy or a running buddy or rain happens, have an alternative for those days so that you're never dependent on another person or on the weather. For sure. And I think for me, it was just about, I needed some sort of accountability mm-hmm. because I could not make myself keep doing it week after week if I didn't have some sort of accountability. So you could definitely like, you know, factor that in in different ways, whether it's a mm. buddy or whether, you know, you put it on your calendar and you're just like, this is yeah, not negotiable time. Definitely. I think it's really important for some people <laughs> to have that account of, to just get you going, get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And once you get the ball rolling, you could take over. That's really great. Thank you so much for all of those tips. Let's cover your nine overwhelm overcoming tactics. Yeah, let's go there. This is one of my favorites. I'll try and make it quick. Overwhelm is an acronym. So I love to get my acronym on. Number one, O is the most important and it is only focus on what you can control. So I actually think overwhelm is lazy thinking. It's scattered, indiscriminate thinking. It's Mm -hmm. thinking of everything you have to do with a special focus on what you can't control. So (laughs) only focus on what you can control. Um, V is for value your daily progress and small wins. Super simple. Super hard to do. Um, E is that eliminate unnecessary inputs. We've touched on that before, but we are in charge and in control of what we filter into our mind and into our environment. So take some control there and eliminate those unnecessary inputs. R is for respect. Structure is freedom. As I mentioned, I am a huge fan of planning my day and ticking little boxes and it's actually freeing because if you know everything you want to get done in certain hours then you also know the rest of those hours are free for everything else for the you time for your weights w is the willingness to constantly upgrade that freedom giving structure so structure is important but we can't just stick to it because we've been doing it for years. If if there's a way to get better, be willing to change it. H is the have the sensory acuity, the awareness to know when your focus is scattered and to bring it back to what you need to be doing on and focusing on only what you can control. E, another one of my favorites, escape to nature. Daily, weekly, whatever you can manage. But I know whenever i am become a little bit of an overwhelmed stress ball, it's because I haven't walked along the beaches or through the parks in the past couple of days. So escape to nature or whatever it is for you that you need to escape to. That's E. L is the lock and load the big rocks that keep you functioning effectively and efficiently. Again, you'll know what that is for you, whether it's meditation, exercise, plant-based meals, time with loved ones. Nine is meditation. This was a to work on for me for years. However, it's well locked and loaded now. And I think those of us that think we don't have the time or patience for meditation, we're exactly the ones that need meditation. Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy. It's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water. And in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing. And a few days after that, you can start eating them. And it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them. And they're really happy that you're eating them. And your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part. 
because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't want to have to use any mental energy that I don't need to. And they send you seed quilts every month. So you don't run out. You can change what seed quilts you want to try. So here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have. Hearty broccoli, refreshing cabbage, energizing kale, spicy daikon radish, super salad mix. You can even get wheatgrass. You can get culinary cilantro or even hot wasabi mustard. So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. They're so cute and they're health promoting. So you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful. I also use them for garnish when I'm making soups and salads and different bowls. You can impress your guests. But like I said, it's going to be low energy cost on your part. And it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and you just put the water in there and it grows. And then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you want to give it a try, you've been curious about microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. I think the lock and load the big rocks, that's a big one for me too, because I notice if I overwork or if I have too many events planned and I start skimping on my sleep, I am so vulnerable to feeling stressed and anxious and just depressed. Like I start to feel like the world is not a good place. I just need a really good night's sleep. And I'm just like, oh, just kidding. I love being alive. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I think it's really important to look at those things. And just like we were saying, with the self-care, you know, when you take care of yourself, you have more to give. And especially if we value that service, we have families, we have children we want to take care of, we're in, you know, service-based careers. It's really important to take care of ourselves so that we can give more. I love that. Those are all so great, Kate. You do have so many, lots of great tips and ways to think about things. So I'd love to Thank know you. what do you wish more people knew? Do you know the go-to um, is is always the horror behind our broken food system. I wish more people knew that and acted on it. However, I think I might've shared that last time. So I'm actually going to say, I wish more people knew how hugely impactful and positive their own individual actions can be. You can have an impact. You can make a huge change in the world. You can make a huge positive change in the lives of the people closest to you and, and also people you don't even know. So many people don't make a start or change their lifestyles because they think, what impact can I have? You can have a massive impact. Oh, I love that. That's so, so beautiful. So You've given us lots of acronyms and, and all kinds of ways to take care of ourselves. So I want to know if you're a morning routine type of person. And if so, what is your morning routine? Absolutely am a morning routine type of a person. It varies slightly whether I'm working from home or working from the gym. Irrespective, I'm up at 4 a.m. I find it really easy to get up at 4 a.m. Harder to stay, to stay awake past 9 
most important part of my routine is a little cuddle time with my precious little rescue cat, Loki, who is so excited for the day to start that he's, he's now squeaking and his tail is quivering and he's bouncing around the lounge room. And I always get down on my hands and knees and have a little play with him because I am really focusing on the good and the joy and the happy moments. And wow, he's good and joy and happy in my day. So play with and feed Loki meditate for 10 minutes um that's a non-negotiable coffee is a non-negotiable and from there it gets into whatever is most important in my day so i'm a huge fan of planning my day to come the night before i know what my number one tasks for the day are so either i'm straight straight to the gym and walking there while listening to a podcast that I love. I love the movement and I love the fact that I'm getting to listen to a podcast as I walk to work and then the day starts. Or if I'm at home, I get into the top two tasks or the top two 45-minute focused sessions of what I need to do. And, um, you know, I'm into it by about quarter past four, half past four. So... Yeah, love my morning routine. You're a busy woman, though. You have a lot of things going on. So do you still own a gym? No, thank goodness. I haven't owned a gym for quite a few years now, and that is a huge joy to not have that responsibility. I have my own business working out of someone else's gym, just a 20-minute walk away from me in Bondi Junction. Oh, nice. And that is best-case scenario because I work four mornings a week. That's it. Um, with With that... And it gives me the rest of the time for, for everything else that I do. Yeah. So that's a great time to talk about what are those other things. So where can listeners connect with you and tell me about what products and services you offer? I know you wanted to talk a little bit about your journal as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Yami. Um, the best way to connect with me is via strongbodygreenplanet.com. That connects to everything that I do. And I'm Strong Body Green Planet across the social. So far as what I'm most passionate about, there are two things. It's definitely my healthification podcast. So for podcast fans, that's been running for around seven or eight years now and over 800 episodes. And I get to chat with passionate and compassionate actors, athletes, authors, entrepreneurs, and it is a venture of the heart. I love it. It is a highlight of my week. You know, the reason I'm up at 1am because I love chatting to people who I respect, who inspire me, who wear working towards the same happy, healthy, vegan world. So that's healthification everywhere across the podcast platforms. My new venture of my heart is actually a way that I'm honoring my mum. I started it back in 2020. It's called the Plant Positive Journal, and it's a step-by-step -step guide to mastering your time and your mind while adopting a healthy plant-based lifestyle. So the background to this journal, my dear mum bought me a gratitude diary many years ago by an Aussie author, Melanie Spears, of Giving Thanks. And it was just the most beautiful art-filled diary that I would write in every day. I'd plan my day to come. The only way I get so much done is by planning it and ticking the boxes and prioritizing it. Anyway, this was a stunning diary, but it talked all about the moons and the stars and stuff that I didn't read. I, I loved it. I used it. And I kind of thought, this is amazing. However, what if it was vegan? What if all that talk was about adopting a healthy plant-based lifestyle? What if this could be a little Trojan horse that people bought because it was stunning and they wanted to plan their day? And then bit by bit, they saw that there was also the most actionable steps to adopt the healthy plant-based lifestyle and stunning artwork and recipes and 52 different Sunday self-care suggestions. And so that's what I produced and it's available in print form. I've already sent quite a few off to the U.S., and um, it's available in PDF form as well. And it's for the plant-based curious individual. There it is. I'm so happy you got yours in time, Dr. Yami. 
Yes, thank you. It's it really is beautiful. And I love this cover. It's just very high end. You know, it just it feels is. so nice. It's the cover is soft like fabric. Uh, yeah. And of course, it has this beautiful image on the front that just invokes those feelings of love and self-care. And it even has broccoli and going into trees. <laughs> and uh, it's just so beautiful. And the inside, of course, um, really nice. So thank you very much for sending me this copy. It's very beautiful. And I hope that all the rest of you that this resonates with, you seek out a copy for yourself because I think this could be very, very helpful. I think especially for people at the beginning of their journey. I remember using something very similar at the beginning of my vegan journey and it was so inspirational and it kind of helped keep me in that mindset of like, okay, you can do it. You can keep going until it really becomes a habit. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm I'm very proud of it. It was a collaboration with amazing artists and, and graphic designers and very glad it's out into the world. And I just hope it's going to spread much love, compassion and plant-based deliciousness. It's dedicated to my mom at the front of the journal and I'll produce it every couple of years. It'll change every couple of years and it'll constantly evolve. Um, yeah, but I hope it just gets out there and, and spreads the love. Oh, well, thank you so much for making it. And I think for sure, it's such a treasure. I think anybody that owns it, I think that they will just love having it to write in and to reflect upon and to help motivate them every day. So this is really great. Thank you. All right, Kate, you're just full of wisdom and information and tips. So, I mean, I hate to ask you for even more tips, but that's my last question. Leave us with your top five tips to make adopting a plant-based lifestyle easy. Oh, I'm glad we still got here. I'm overflowing with tips. Um, those top five, I shared 10 last time. I've made them different. So these are a new five. And the first one is define your why. Obviously, we have to know the why behind why we're making any big lifestyle change and also the connect with the huge emotion behind that why because that's going to drive you through pull you through those struggle street times we all get tip number two is to align plant-based eating and that why with everything else that is dear to you so we're back to the values and the beliefs and and again if integrity is important to me and i've decided that animals suffer too much plant-based eating is non-negotiable. Obviously, I'm going to lead a vegan lifestyle, so make it relevant to you. Three, they get easier here. Three is to focus on the little hinges that swing big doors. So the high bang for your buck or bang for your time, stuff like meal prep and that morning routine we just discussed, they have such huge value. I call them keystone habits, those hugely impactful positive habits that all the other little habits can build around. So those little hinges. Number four is lower the bar to raise your chance of success. So when I started, I was all about the hand washing organically grown veggies and adding spirulina and making my daily smoothie that was high nutrient value, yet yeah, pretty gross. And <laughs> now I've lowered the bar a little bit, right? My food is more delicious and it's also easier. I'll buy pre-mixed bags of green leaves. I'll buy frozen veggies. Maybe you buy your plant-based burgers from the supermarket. Find your go-tos, but lower the bar. Number five, super important, involve community. So whatever it is for you, um, you know, maybe early days, it might be activism events or it might be your local plant-based restaurant. It might be listening to amazing podcasts, whatever it is, find and build and, and strengthen your supportive community. Oh, I love all of those. Those are so great. I especially love the lowering the bar to achieve success because mm -hmm. I feel like for me, that's a big one. Like I am an all or nothing type of person. And I like to go hard when I go into something, but I burn myself out, right? Because it's not sustainable. So I think always, okay, Yami, you want to do this for a long time. How do you make it sustainable? Sometimes you got to ease up a little bit. Sometimes you just got to find those compromises, you know, like for me, especially like I'm really big into decreasing waste and not adding more plastic to the environment. But then I also am a super busy person. So I don't have 
time every single week to do every single thing by hand, so, which means that I will have to buy some prepackaged stuff. So trying to make those compromises different places in your life so that you can be more sustainable with those habits that you know are going to support your well-being. And then you can pick up other areas of your life to kind of, you know, bring it all together in a way that aligns with your values. But it's true. I think sustainability is so important for a lot of people. Such a good point. The plastic one I, I struggle with as well. But yeah, relieve ourselves of a little bit of the guilt and the intensity and the perfectionism. And as you said, then it's going to be more sustainable and more joyful. Yes, absolutely. Kate Galley, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for coming back on the show and giving us so much value and positivity. And I just send you so much love on your journey and positive energy. And I wish you the best and hope I could give you a big hug someday. I'll give you a big virtual hug now, but I appreciate you so much for all that you do. I know you have so much compassion and you are doing so much to help other people. So I appreciate you and I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Dr. Yami, thank you so much. I have huge gratitude to you and to all the goodness you're putting out in the world. Thank you so much for welcoming me back and have a fabulous day too. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a fantastic day. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.